tell, tell the story that you just told me about the guy that came from the coupons that we gave out. Oh, okay. Pastor wanted me to share a, um, a story about something that happened at Bayville. So some of the outreaches that we do, maybe we'll go to a, a, a local convenience store, Wawa, give out coupons. But one of the things uh, we've been, we did last year during the summer, there's a flag football league in Berkeley Township. So they have a flag football league, and there's tons of parents there and kids. So what we do is we go over to the snack stand. We stand over there. We'll give them an invite to church, and we'll give them a $3 coupon. And believe it or not, $3 could buy a lot at a football snack stand. Yeah, right. So, so, we, have a, so we give away these coupons. And you know we, we, we were probably there like four times last year. But this shows just how... Just sowing the seeds is so important, not worrying about the results, leaving the results to God, sowing the seed and letting God take care of the rest. In Bayville, Sean Hyland came up to me and he said, hey, can you, I just want to introduce you to someone that just came to church. And when we were talking to him, we were talking about how he came there. He's like, yeah, about six months ago or whatever, you guys gave me a coupon to, at, at this ball, at the um, football field. And he goes, recently I've been going through something. And he goes, I just needed... To, to be at church, and he, he goes, I needed someone to talk to when he came to church. So is that not awesome? And that's really... But that's to, because of your yeah, generosity. It's because of your, your generosity to give for us to do things like that. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Well, welcome, everybody. How we doing? Thank you. This light is like, I think I need to move up get on the other side of this thing. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about generosity tonight, but we're not going to talk about our generosity, not, not, not right away. We're going to talk about God's generosity. I don't know if we, we realize to put him in that category of generous. So I'm going to start off with making a statement that's going to seem really ridiculously obvious, that God is amazingly generous. And you say, well, yeah, of course. Um, just think about John 3.16. The scripture, John 3.16, is just the epitome of generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so I, I want you to take this into consideration. I want you to think about this, okay? Consider the fact that God is the most powerful entity in the entire universe. He's almighty. He's all-knowing. He's ever-present. In other words, he's everywhere at the same time. Now, one would think that an entity that has that kind of power would, wouldn't need to share anything with anyone, and really, there'd be nothing that you and I could do about it. He could just hold on to everything. He could just be the types of just taking in and taking in and taking in. If you think about some of the gods that are worshipped by different groups around the world, Okay, um, how many of you ladies get your nails done at places where it's like Asian, Asian, Asian-owned business, right? How many of you? And um, my wife, you're not raising your hand. <laughs> you're supposed to set the example, boy. So my wife, I don't know if she still goes to the same place, but she used to go to a place, and, and I'd go there sometimes to buy her a gift certificate or, or whatever. And I would notice that they have the, the statue of the little fat guy. Yeah. <laughs> and there's an orange. One time I saw the Dunkin' Donut. It's, it's, they're, they're giving offerings. They're making offerings to this statue. Okay? And, and what is that? What kind of a god is that that needs a Dunkin' Donut or an orange? Or, uh, you know what I'm saying? The whole religion is based on the God takes, and, and our God constantly gives. And I think we take it for granted sometimes. We don't realize that some people are caught up in things where it becomes a slavery. It becomes a, uh, where I got to pray five times a day and I got to face a certain way. Or I can't eat this, or I can't eat that, or I can't. It's always, it's always the God in those religions which are all man-made, obviously, that are always wanting something, always wanting something. And that's totally 100% the opposite of our God. Our God 
is a God of goodness. He's a God of mercy. And imagine this, that this all-powerful God of the universe is not only wanting, is willing, he's not only willing, but wants to, wants very deeply to share all that he is and all that he has with us mere humans. Now, you got to really think about this because, again, we take so much for granted in Christianity. We take so much for granted. We don't really consider the fact that he doesn't have to do the things that he does. He didn't have to go to the cross. You understand that? In fact, you really want want to get down to it, really studying this out. It was only a few short weeks before he goes to the cross, I'm talking about Jesus, that he's on that mountain that we call the Mount of Transfiguration. And and most people don't really understand what actually took place in that incident that's recorded for us in uh, at least two of the Gospels. Um, Jesus goes up on top of this mountain. He takes with him Peter, James, and John, okay? They go up on this mountain, but something supernatural takes place when they get to the top of this mountain. The Bible tells us that Jesus' clothes were transformed. His, his, his face was transformed. He was transfigured. His, he began to glow. His clothing began to glow. And what the disciples don't realize that's happening is they've now been, they're not on a natural mountain anymore. They're translated into heaven. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, because there's two individuals that show up to talk to them. They are who? Moses and Elijah. Well, where are Moses and Elijah? Now, the Bible tells us it's not legal and it's not godly and it's forbidden for us to speak to dead people on this earth. So if Moses and Elijah are speaking with Jesus, then Jesus is in heaven. He's not here on the earth. So think about this. Say, well, what's the big deal about that, Pastor? Very big deal. Jesus is already in heaven without the cross. Without the grave, without having to suffer, without having to suffer going into the depths of hell, he was there already. He would have very easy to say, guys, it's been nice, but see you later. There's the steps. But he comes down with them, comes back to the earth, and right after it says, at that point then, he fixes attention on going to Jerusalem. He could have stayed there, but the generosity of his heart, the generosity of the Father wouldn't allow him, because had he chosen that easy way out, and that wasn't the first time. You remember the temptation in the wilderness? Satan is offering him an easy way out, and he wouldn't take it. He wouldn't take it. He didn't take it on the man of transfiguration. He comes down knowing that he's going to have to face that cross, face that torment, face that torture. And for who? For you and for me. His goodness is everlasting. His mercy never fails. In fact, it's amazing about the mercy of God. It recharges overnight. Because the Bible tells us his mercies are what? New every morning. And another place it tells us that he daily loads us down with blessings. There's something that goes on when we check out at night and go to sleep. And it's just continuous. His mercies are new every morning, constantly recharging, constantly getting built up, constantly being made available for us. There's many times I've gone to bed at night going, Lord, I just can't wait to go to sleep. Get this day over with and take hold of your mercies tomorrow morning. Fresh and new, a fresh new batch. Amen? Here's what one Bible commentator had to say about this subject here. Generosity is the quality of being kind and unselfish, especially as it pertains to sharing our valuables with others. The Bible has a lot to say about generosity as a desirable character trait. Proverbs 22.9 says, The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. God is generous, and he expects us to follow his example. I believe with all of my heart, and I know many of you here would vouch for this because you're personally involved, and one of the reasons why this ministry has always been so blessed, one of the reasons why this ministry has always gotten opportunities from the Lord to be able to reach individuals and to be able to help many people in the community is because of that food pantry at the other end of the building. 
I've had people tell me over the years, man, we've been to other food pantries, and, and it's like they measure the stuff out. Like, well, how many people do you have in your house? Okay, we'll give you one of these and one of those, and one of here, we make sure that they leave. When a person leaves our food, our food pantry, that shopping cart better be full. Am I right? Full, full. Generous, generous. Why? How do we say that we're representing God and not be generous and be stingy and be miserly? Amen? He continues on, above all, God demonstrated his generosity when he offered his son as a sacrifice to atone for our sin. And in the face of such generosity, we can only say thanks be to God for his indescribable, indescribable gift, according to 2 Corinthians 9, 15. The gift of Jesus to sinful mankind was the ultimate act of generosity. So what's our goal for tonight? What's our goal here? I pray that by the time we're finished, that we would begin to understand the generosity of God as it pertains to his character and realize that his spirit lives in us. Then we should have a reasonable expectation that we also can have a generous heart toward others, especially those who, like us, do not deserve it. That's a, that's a tough one. Why is it important for us to attain to that goal? Why is it important for us to be motivated to have an incentive to develop a generous heart? Now, I know for some people it comes easier than others, but let me just tell you this, okay? One of the things that's the most impactful in touching people's lives that don't know God yet is generosity. When generosity is displayed, it takes people off guard. They don't expect it. They're not ready for it. They're, they're, they're kind of, I, I, remember, I remember when uh, years ago when we had teams going out. Now, at this point, I don't participate in that anymore because we've got enough things going on around here. But people, you would, we would send teams to apartment complexes. One of them was the one down in Bricktown all the way down Drum Point Road. Another one, there was some in Lakewood. There was another one in Tom's River. And the puzzled look on people's face when you knocked on the door and said, hey, we're here to bless you, because we told, we trained our team, you don't go to anybody's house empty-handed. That's rude. Yes or no? Yes. So you say, go, when you, you, you have a, a box of donuts, or you have a loaf of bread, or you have some kind of cakes, or something. We had, because we just had, today. one time we sent with bags of bagels, and, and uh, a, a cup of, not a cup of coffee, but little packets of coffee. We would knocked on the door, we're here to bless you, is there anything we can pray for you about? Well, uh, let me give you some. No, no, that's, we're not here. We're not selling bagels. <laughs> we're not here for that. We're here to bless you. What could, who, do you have somebody here that needs to, to be prayed for? I remember there was one team that went, and this uh, elderly woman opened up the door, and they, and, you know, they gave her this, you know, the whole, you know, we're here to bless you. We're, we're not looking for anything. But please let me give a donation. No, 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 we don't want a donation. We're here to bless you. Is there somebody here in the house that needs prayer? What are we doing? We're demonstrating the generosity of God. Because the generosity of God goes beond a box of donuts and beyond a bag of bagels, yes? The husband was in bed for months and months and months. And the individuals that were there got a chance to pray with them. Who would have reached them? The generosity of God disarms people's hardness of heart. That's why you and I need to develop that. You listening? Yes. You and I need to develop that. Well, it's not my nature. Well, we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But listen to me. You and I need to develop that because let me tell you what's happening, okay? And this is one of the main reasons I wanted to teach what I'm teaching tonight. The fear that has gripped individuals over the past couple of years has, has had an effect on many people in this aspect, Okay? When you become fearful, you want to pull back, you want to draw back, you want to circle the wagons, you want to make sure that you have everything you need before somebody else could take it from you. That has become a predominant lifestyle in a lot of people's lives. It's like, no, I got to take care of me first. This whole atmosphere of fear, whether it's due to the pandemic or whether it's due to uh, upheaval in our government, if it's due to war overseas, Whatever it is, human nature, without the influence of God, as soon as it's threatened, pulls back and withdraws and holds on to everything they have. 
You think about this. Um, when there's a threat of bad weather, what happens? Everybody runs to the supermarket. It's like, you, you think the storm's going to last for a week? And what's the first thing? Bread and milk. And then, you know, snacks. We, we become very self-centered, very needy, very protective. Just, and, and we have to overcome that. Because if the church of Jesus starts to entertain that kind of selfish mentality, the gospel will get shut down, and it cannot get shut down. It cannot. So that's our goal. When we live a generous life, we demonstrate God's love to those around us in one of the greatest ways to share the gospel, okay? Now, listen, just in a little bit over a week from now, we're going to be celebrating, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, of the Lord. And Easter speaks of the generosity of God, our Savior. It's a perfect example of God pouring out his generosity over people who do not deserve it. How many of us know we do not deserve the salvation? We don't deserve the benefits of the gospel. We didn't deserve Jesus going to the cross on our behalf. We should have went to the cross. We deserve that kind of punishment, not him. But we don't think about this. We take it for granted. It's almost like you know, having this entitlement mentality. Oh, well, yeah, well, it's, you know, you're God. You're supposed to do that stuff. No, no, he didn't have to do any of that stuff. He's God. He's God alone. He's God singularly. He's God in himself. God self-sufficient, all-sufficient. In fact, one of the very first ways he introduces himself and describes himself in the word of God is El Shaddai. That's how he revealed himself to Abraham, Okay. El Shaddai is the all-sufficient, self-sufficient God. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need things. He doesn't need stuff. He doesn't need them. He's, he's sufficient on his own. But he chooses to pour out of his heart towards us in such a way that it draws our hearts to him. Amen? So listen to Romans chapter 5, verse 8 in the light of what we just talked about. But God demonstrates his own love for, towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if we were enemies, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Now listen to this description of generosity. Generosity can be described as being free with all you have, with people who neither earned it nor deserved it. That's generosity. Generosity is when you can be free with what you have, even with people that didn't earn it and don't deserve it. Now, many of us in our, in our old nature, even before we were born again, had the capacity to be generous. But there's a difference. There's a big difference between generous, being generous and having strings attached, and being generous and doing it as unto the Lord. Okay, how many times has it happened to you where God has instructed you to bless somebody and you don't like them? And you're like, um, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But so, and, and you know, you know, on the inside, the Lord's speaking to you. That's fine, but it's not your money. It's my money. I just put it on deposit in your account. Now, what I want to do is take it from your account and place it in that person's account. And I want it coming from your account because you know he could use anybody. Now, I've given him that argument. Well, you know, you can use anybody to do this. Yeah, yeah, but I want it out of your account. I want it out of what I've stored up for you. And usually when that happens, it's not a punishment. It's a setup. He's setting you up because he knows what's coming down the road. And he knows that if, if he can get you to invest this here and now, and especially with that person, that you'll reap the blessing when the time comes that you're going to need in the future. All of that stuff is his generosity. Because he could just leave us on his own. Oh, you, oh, you don't want to obey? 
Okay, no problem. There's plenty of accounts I could draw it from, and I'll have them reap the blessing. But he moves upon us. He draws us. He doesn't let us off easy for our own benefit because he wants us to be set up and invested so that we would reap a blessing. Don't, don't ever forget that, please. In Romans chapter 5, 8, it's generosity, what we just read. Jesus made himself completely available to people who were degenerate sinners, the majority of which would never acknowledge or appreciate his sacrifice. You know, we forget that Jesus died for the sins of the entire world, but it's only a very small fraction of the entire world that has ever acknowledged that sacrifice. It's always only going to be a remnant. Well, what about the big revivals? Yeah, yeah, it was still only a remnant. Well, well, what about on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved? Yeah, but there were a million people in Jerusalem. Go research it. The historian Josephus says that during the times right after Jesus was on the earth, that when Passover was celebrated in Jerusalem, there were upwards of a million pilgrims that would come from all over the Roman Empire to be in Jerusalem during Passover. And it's during Passover that Jesus goes to the cross. It's during Passover that Jesus raises from the dead. In fact, this one holiday Passover is done. The very next day is the next holiday, the Feast of, of uh, uh, the Harvest. What's the name of that? First Fruits. First Fruits. Yes, yeah, Passover ends and then first fruits. Jesus raises from the dead on the first day of first fruits. So these pilgrims who come from all over the world. So, well, 3,000 people got saved when Peter preached. Yeah, but there was a million people in Jerusalem. It's always a remnant. It's always going to be a remnant. The key is get as many people that you know in that remnant. Now, there's going to come a time when it'll be a massive, massive, massive influx of people coming into the kingdom of God. But we're not going to be here when that happens. We'll be gone. And it's because we're gone that all these people now want to get in. Because it was the biggest sign ever. Like, hey, they said they were going. They said I was coming. I came. I took them. Um, You're next. Because, you know, and it grieves me sometimes. And if you watch Christian television, you know, it can be very grieving sometimes. Because ministers will say, you got to give, you got to give, you got to give, because we're, we're going for the greatest harvest the world has ever seen. Uh, yeah, but we're not going to be here when that happens. Get that. Why am I stressing this? Because people have said, well, Jesus is not coming yet because that greatest harvest. That... No, Jesus is coming for the church. Then the greatest harvest that hit the world is going to hit the world. We're going to watch it from up there like, yeah. So, now, think about this. The majority of people will never acknowledge the sacrifice that Jesus made with such generosity, not holding anything back. And consider this, okay? He didn't wait for us to get our act together. He died while we were still sinners, unrepentant, fully disconnected from him, and with no intention of changing. How many of you were professional sinners before you got born again? (laughs) Master's degree. Created ways of sinning, and yet he pursued me. He pursued you. He didn't leave you at your own. He made, he made sure that constantly there were people in your path. He made sure. I had happened to me one time. Uh, uh, I got in the car, turned the radio on, the Christian radio stations. I'm like, where did this come from? Change the station. Turn around. It goes back to the same station twice. Twice. And I still didn't get the hint. <laughs> you listen to what I'm saying? The generosity of God we should not take for granted. And when you don't take something for granted like that and you appreciate it and realize it, you want to imitate, like it tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, we're supposed to be imitators, imitators, imitators of our Father. He's generous. We need to be generous. Oh, pastor, I guess you're just talking, trying to just pump up so we get more money. Honey, I, 
Trust me, this ministry is in good shape. Thank you for that one amen. <laughs> this ministry is in very good shape. Amen. When, when any of us teach, when it comes to these type of things, we're not teaching to try to get something from you. We're teaching to, get, to try to get something in you. Be generous. Be generous with your attitudes. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your love. Be generous with your forgiveness. Why? Because then you're imitating your Father in heaven. And that's what gets people attention. That's what gets their attention. Is that genuine generosity? That gen say, well, I love to bless people. I, we just had an opportunity the other day. We were shopping someplace and saw some money. And they're like, what are you? We, lo we look forward to, oh, we're short, Pastor, because you're in the shape to do that. No, honey, we were that way when we had 10 bucks. When you're generous, you're generous. You're not ge There's not a threshold, and you go, well, when I cross that threshold, then I'll be generous. No, it's in your heart. You're generous. Whether it's with a half a loaf of bread or whether it's with $1,000, whatever it is, you're generous because your heart is that way. Yeah, I, I get a couple of stifled names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I do think that sometimes we do take God's generous heart for granted. We assume it's his responsibility to be generous. Oh, you're God. You're supposed to be that way. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have to be that way. He chooses to be that way because it, it is who he is. Let me ask you a question. Can you separate generosity from love? Can you separate love from generosity? Absolutely not. So because he is love, he is generosity. So when we're generous, we're reflecting his image. When we're generous, we're him walking on the earth, helping people, uh, blessing people, cheering people up. We've probably forgotten dozens of stories of, of times in the past when God has moved on our hearts to be generous. And, and the reason why we get excited to do that, because there was a, a season in our life, uh, a pretty long season in our life, that we depended on God moving on people's hearts to be generous towards us. And when you're the recipient of those kind of things, you can't wait till you get to the place where you then can, can bless people. I remember years and years and years ago, one of the businesses that we had, well, the last business we, yeah, yeah, the last business that we had in a brick over by, off of exit 91, where there, is the Shell Station still there? The Shell Station, the Wawa's across the street. Our business, we had a business in that little shopping center where the Dunkin' Donuts is or was. Is it still there? I haven't been up in that, that way for a while. Um, I don't remember what year it was. It would have had to have been before 1992, probably right around that time. Um, Something was going on that time, and we knew there were a lot of people that were out of work. I don't know if we had like a mini recession or whatever it was, but there were a lot of people that were out of work. And so we prepared. Now, we, we had a food business then. So we prepared boxes. And I'll never forget, there's, we'd, put, we'd put containers of soup in there, homemade stuff. We'd put eggs. We'd put whatever. We'd put whatever we had. And if we knew that a family was going through some, some tough times. Now, there was, a, there was a young man that used to come to our business. Actually, his parents came to the business, too. Um, I didn't understand why they were always so oppressed, always so oppressed. I mean, you know what I mean by oppressed? Like, you look at these people, and it's like, the, who was the cartoon character that had the cloud following around all the time? Charlie Brown character. Linus? That, that, when you saw these people, this is what it was like. And so I had, was it Pig Pet? Okay. Whatever. But it wasn't a good thing. So, so I had heard that this young man had gotten laid off, had lost his job. And um, um, he came into the business one day and ordered a, a very small amount of stuff. And I said, here, um, I, I understand you're out of work right now. And uh, I just want to bless you. W what do you mean? I said, I just want to bless you. I'm not, I mean, I know you bought this stuff, and that's wonderful. I don't even know if I charge him for this stuff. I think I just took it, put it in a bag. That's probably why we went into bankruptcy. Um, <laughs> But I remember handing the box to this young man. If I remember correctly, his name was Philip. And he just 
just stood back and went, what, what, what are you doing? I said, I want to bless you. Well, why? I said, because God has blessed me so much. And he said to me, are you a Christian? I said, yeah. Oh, uh, I can't take that. I said, why? Because I'm a Jehovah Witness. And I went, oh, now I know why the oppression. And the... I said, what, what, j- j- please, just, what difference does that make? Please just take this. Take this. Just take it as a blessing. His wife came in about a week later. And my oldest son was with me at the time, working with me side by side. And she came in and she said, you can't imagine what that did. He cried because nobody, not even in our family, nobody from our church has ever done anything for him to help him. What was that all about? Was it for our glory? Absolutely not. This young man, I I can't wait till we get to heaven to find out what happened. I'm hoping that that genuine generosity that came from the true Jehovah God dislodged all that religiosity out of his heart and caused him to really want to find out who this God really is. You see what I'm saying? It's the greatest way to preach the gospel without using words. And when we lose sight of God's nature, our perspective gets off. Now, Paul, in Romans there, in Romans chapter in chapter 5, in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, Paul says, it's recorded for us in verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? But verse 32 is even more important. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him, in other words, with salvation, with the cross, with the resurrection, also freely give us all things? In other words, how can we ever possibly think that God is not going to fulfill his promises? How can we ever possibly think that God is not aware of the things that we need for life on this planet when he's already given us the most precious, the most priceless gift that he could ever give us. What is it about us that we freely come into this kingdom of God, the family of God through salvation, which is a result of God's generosity, taking his only son, nailing him to the cross, suffering. If he did all that for us, what could he possibly hold back from us? It just doesn't even make sense. And yet sometimes we come in to this, to this thing called the born-again Christian experience very eagerly and very like, yeah, this is awesome, this is wonderful. But then the first need that shows up after that, we think, oh, my, oh is he going to do it? Is it going to really happen? Is he really going to provide this? Is he really going to heal me? Is he really going to is he really going to provide for my mortgage payment? Is he really going to provide for my car payment? Is he really going to provide for a job? He gave you already the most precious thing he had. Amen. Stop making it difficult from that point on. And the thing about God's generosity that I think is wonderful is that what makes it even greater is that his generosity is not limited to those who have shown him love and obedience. We think God's generous just with us, because like we're here, well, I'm a special kid, you know, I'm God, I'm God, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the king's kid. <laughs> yeah, you're real special. At Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus is speaking here. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. And that's not easy to do. And do good to those who hate you. That's not easy to do. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Verse 45 says, for what reason? That you may be sons of your father in heaven. And look at this. He makes his son, S-U-N, rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Why? Why? What could he possibly hope to accomplish? There's this little phrase in the book of Romans that says this, it's the goodness of God 
that leads us to repentance. The goodness of God. I don't know about you, but I'm very uncomfortable when God blesses me when I know that particular day I did not deserve it. I mean, we, we, you know what I'm saying? We never really deserve it. But there's sometimes when you're walking with God and everything is good, you prayed that morning, you paid your tithes that week, you might have set up and read an extra chapter in the Bible. And so you're going, okay, I'm good. I got my armor on. And then he blesses you. It's like, well, yeah, of course. I've been good today. Like, like we're on Santa's lap, you know? <laughs> and those are wonderful times, but it's the times when you've been a disgusting, fleshly, carnal brat. Just you add the rest of the adjectives there. And then he blesses you. And you, you I don't know about you, but I go like, yeah, and you really know how to hurt a guy. Just can we wait? Get, how about tomorrow? When I take hold of that new batch of mercy tomorrow morning. How about, how about, how about you save this for tomorrow? No, no, because that, that would not really demonstrate his generosity. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get a rat to go. I've told this story many times. Many years ago uh, in the church I used to be in, way before I went to Bible school, uh, myself and another young man, uh, Clayton Kramer, uh, we were in the shopping center that now is uh, where uh, Barnes & Nobles is and uh, Applebee's and all. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Down here in Bricktown. Brick Plaza. Back then, this is how long ago it was. I think Greens was still there. Yeah. Or, uh, it was no, I don't even think Applebee's existed yet. And it was just a regular old shopping center. It was the old A&P and the one, one side shop. So we're going up and down the street and handing out tracks and stuff like that. And these uh, couple of girls, young girls, teenagers, and, and another teenage guy was with them. So we're like, we go up to them, hey, listen, no, we don't tell you about Jesus. And, and immediately, uh, no, I, I, I know I need this, but I really got to get my act together first. I'm not, I'm, really not, I'm not living right right now. And I'll never forget, never forget. I said to her, do you go fishing? Obviously, you live down the shore. Do you go fishing? Yeah. I said, do you clean the fish before you catch it <laughs> or after you catch it? And she said, well, obviously after. I said, well, let him catch you. Then he'll do the cleaning. You can't do the cleaning before. No more than that fish can clean itself in the water. Let him catch you. And then he'll do And guess what? It won't hurt because he's love and he's generous and he always upholds our dignity. Anything that ever comes to you that's robbing your dignity is not coming from God. It's not coming from God. Amen? I'm enjoying this. I don't know about you. So I quoted that scripture. It's actually Romans chapter 2. That is the goodness of God, the generosity of God that leads us to repentance. What does that really mean? What does that really mean? When, when God blesses us, he protects us, he heals us, and we know that we really are not in a position to receive that on our own. When we willfully get involved in sin, when we wake up and realize he's still good to us, that makes us want to change. I don't know about you, but it makes me want to change. So it makes, makes me want to turn away from any ungodly conduct. It makes me want to get right with him again. Because he doesn't have to do it. It's his generosity. It's his goodness. It's his compassion. It's because he lived on this earth and he knows what it's like to have to put up with temptations and to resist. He knows what it's like to be under constant attack from the enemy against his mind. He knows what we go through. It's his generosity. And so I understand that some people might say, well, generosity doesn't come easy for me. Some people were raised in a very selfish environment. My, some people would say, well, my family just wasn't that way. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. That's very hard for me to relate to because, thank God, I was raised in a very generous atmosphere. Very generous. Uh, to fault. So... It was like, well, this is how we live. This, and we thought everybody lived this way. Um, 
You know, you, you just think everybody lives this way. It's like, what do you need? Whatever I have is yours, and what do you need? Uh, but I understand that there are people that, that were not raised that way, and, and, and I guess it could be a hard thing. But, but listen, that's not an excuse. It could be an explanation, but it's not an excuse for not developing a generous heart. Number one, let me give you two reasons why that argument really doesn't hold any water. Number one, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. A new creation. Would you say that with me? New creation. New creation. What's unique about a new creation? It never existed before. It's new. It's new. Old things have passed away. Behold, old things have become new. You and I are new creations. We're not renovated. We're made brand new. We're not a DIY project in somebody else's hands. Therefore, it really doesn't matter how we were raised in the natural. We're now spiritual beings with the mind of Christ and the heart of God, and we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So, well, I don't know if I'm experiencing that yet. F- fine, but the scriptures say that you have the mind of Christ. The scriptures say that the love of God has been poured out into your heart by the Holy Spirit. The scriptures say that we are spirit beings. So in reality, I am way more connected in reality I'm talking about. I'm not experienced. I'm talking about reality. I'm way more, and you are way more connected to God than you are connected to this earth. Okay? In reality, there should only be one-third of our being that's in touch with this earth, and that's our flesh. Our soul can be trained to follow our spirit. When we train our soul to follow our spirit, our spirit's automatically connected, intertwined. Holy Spirit came to live inside me, came to live in my spirit. He's in there. Say, he's in there. there. Say, he's in me. me. Okay? So now it's a matter of what are you going to listen to more? The flesh is going to tell you, don't give that. Don't give that thing away. Don't give that money to that person. Don't pay that person's groceries. You need somebody to pay yours. That, that's the fleshly part. That's always going to be self-centered. It's always me, 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 me. Do you recognize that? Do you ever realize when you, when you go through those seasons where you're maybe not as aware as much as you were about God's presence in your life, you start to become very self-centered? Nobody wants to admit it. You see, you're being self-centered. You're protecting your reputation. You don't want to admit it. But the further we get from God, the more carnal we act. The more carnal we act, the more self-centered we are. The more self-centered we are, the more selfish we get. You know, go back to Cain and Abel. Cain knew what sacrifice he was supposed to offer. Cain knew that God required blood. How do we know that? Because Abel knew. Adam knew. But Cain decided to be self-centered, selfish. I'll just give him a box of vegetables. God didn't want vegetables. Vegetables don't have blood in them. Blood was required to come before God because of sin that came into the world. And that's why you have a sacrificial system in place up until, up until the Lamb of God Amen. goes on the cross. And then there's no need for sacrifice anymore. And even that is the generosity of God. You listening? So, number one, you're a new creation. You got no business entertaining those old thoughts. Number two, now hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Now, although your mindset may not have changed yet, the truth is you're a new creation. Your spirit was made alive when you were born again. A new nature was deposited inside you. Listen to me. I'm going to wrap this up quick. Listen to me. Draw from that new nature. Stop being much more aware of your natural surroundings as opposed to your spiritual surroundings. Okay? Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is a reality in the heart of God. In the realm of the spirit, we're already there. The day's going to come when, when what's left of us is going to, our soul and our glorified body, our new body, is going to get 
to, to go sit in that place literally. If you'll connect yourself with that side of your new nature, you will start to develop the heart of God. You'll be able to bless even those that use you. You'll be able to pray for those that curse you. You see, not, why? Because you'll start developing a generous God, a generous heart. Okay? And, and honestly, when you really come down to it, generosity is not a suggestion. It's a command. It's a command. We're commanded. John 3, 17. 1 John 3, 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Oh, I feel so sorry for so-and-so. Man, they're really having a hard time. Well, honey, you're, you're feeling sorry for that person. It's wonderful, it's, but it ain't going to pay their electric bill. You're feeling sorry, and you're taking note of how what hardship a person's going through is not going to eliminate the problem. That's what John's saying here. What are you doing? You're just taking note of it? Hebrews 13, 16. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. We, we, don't, we, don't, we want to skip over those kind of verses. Do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Okay? Now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you we made God happy very recently. What's that figure for Jersey Shore Mission? You remember when we did the $3 offerings? Yeah. The whole month of March? Yeah. We, last year, we, we, set, we gave them a check for $8,000. This year, in my heart, it's like, Lord, I want us to hit 10000 I want to bless them with 10000 $11,424 and some change. Now, listen, I know for some people that $3 or $6, or $9, or $12, or $15, or $33 was a sacrifice. But according to this scripture, God is well pleased with such sacrifices. You, you hearing me? God is pleased. 11,000, almost, almost 11,500, right? And how many dinners did that translate into? 3,800 and change? Over 3,000 meals. It had to be. 3,000 meals would have been 9,000. And you're on our finance? In our finance department? 3,800. I thought it was. 3,800. Over 3,800 meals. 3,800 times a, person's can go, a person can go there and have a hot meal. Now, now, it's not only that blessing, but I can't wait for us to go and present the check to them because you know this is going to boost their morale and it's going to cause thanksgiving unto God because this little congregation here in Wall and Bayville pulled their money together to make sure that 3,800 people are not going to go hungry. You did that. Go ahead. Give yourself a... You did that. You did that. And then, without even telling anybody, we sent the check. Um, how many weeks ago was that? We sent the check to Poland. Oh, at least a month ago. At least a month ago. We got to send another check. Um, I contacted uh, our general um, the superintendent, our general regional director from our churches, and I, and I said to uh, Pastor Sam Smucker, do we have a contact in Ukraine or in Poland or Romania or whatever, not Romania, Belarus or whatever. He said, yeah, we've got a guy in Poland. He said he's very trustworthy, great heart. And so I contacted this individual and uh, I said, we want to help. Uh, he said, well, just this morning they had received 32 orphans uh, from an orphanage in Ukraine that had to, they had to flee. They had to take all these kids and I believe it was a Catholic orphan. So we have uh, about four nuns took all these kids and brought them here to Poland. He's not too far from the Polish border. He told us a story about mothers are, are having to leave their vehicles and walk miles carrying their children in the winter in the snow and the ice. So we, we sent him right off the bat, just sent him a check for $5,000 and said, just, you know, we'll be back in touch with you. 
So uh, sometime this week, we need to send another check uh, to help them. So, but, but we couldn't do that if you, if you weren't generous. This is what most people don't understand in church. They say, well, the church should do something. Well, who's the church? We are. We are. You are. You're the church. Who represents Jesus? We all do. So stop looking at the church like this far-off entity, like, well, Washington should do something about this. Well, who's Washington? Supposed to be us. Hopefully someday it'll get back to that. It's supposed to be the people. But you're the people. You're the church. So when God moves on your heart, don't go, well, maybe pastor will get this idea. No, go do it. He, if he wanted me to do it, he would have told me to do it. If he's telling you to do it, he wants you to set you up for a blessing. You listening? So, again, it's a command, not a suggestion. In Deuteronomy 15, 7, is anyone, is there, is any, if anyone is poor among you, your fellow Israelites, in any of the towns and land the Lord gave you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them what they need. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Verse 18, command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and to be willing to share. Now, real quickly, let me go through some of the benefits, and then we're going to wrap this up. Benefits. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends. Say that with me. Lends. lends. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Another translation says, and he will not be a debtor to any man. In other words, when you allow him to take from your account and shower somebody else with that blessing, he said, don't worry about it. I know how to put it back in your account. In other words, to paraphrase this, he'll, he'll, if you lend him what he's given you so that he can bless somebody else, he'll make sure that you're compensated. But now watch this now. Can you give me two minutes? I remember hearing a teaching from Jesse Duplantis, and literally almost fell off the chair. My wife and I were watching this a number of years ago. And he said, many Christians make the mistake of using that scripture in place of giving and in place of paying their tithes. He said, there's no return on this. Now, there's a blessing and a reward in heaven. But you, you know where I'm going with this? There was, a, there was a couple of family in our church early, early years. Every time we get up to talk about tithing, it was like you were throwing acid on them. They hated to talk about the tithe. And so one day I addressed the issue and I said, what's the deal? Well, we don't tithe to the church. We have a poor family member and we give our tithe to him. I said, did God tell you to do that? Because it's contrary to the word. You're taking God's money and giving it to somebody. Did he tell you to support this person? Yes. But he told you to support them out of your money, not his. You're not understanding where I'm going with this. Let me read it again. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them. That's not a good translation. The better translation is that he will repay. Repay what? whatever you put out. It doesn't say that there's an increase. It, it's not a uh, shake down, shaken down, running over, pressed down. You see what I'm saying? He's saying, if you, if, you, I'll, if you land it to me, I'll pay you back. But on the tithe, he said, I'll pour out a blessing that you can't even count. On the giving, it multiplies. God never gives you back in giving the same amount he gave. But here, you getting this? Now, well, you're saying, Pastor, we shouldn't do this. No, 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 you do this. But you don't do it with an expectation. Well, I gave to the poor, so I should. No, you're giving to the poor because God makes sure you're not poor. 
We give to the poor at a compassionate heart. We give to the poor because we want to share what we have, even if we don't get it back. You listen to what I'm saying? But when you pay your tithes, and, and that's the terminology we should use, we pay our tithes. When we bring our tithes, we're not giving to God. That's not an offering. How are you, how are you giving an offering? If, 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 if you borrow $200 from me and you come on my birthday and you give me an envelope with $200 in it, that's not a birthday gift. You're just paying me back what was mine to begin with. Are you getting this? Oh, I'm rocking some people's tonight. I'm, you're not, no, you just gave me back what was mine. Now, if you bring two envelopes and you say, hey, here's the money you lent me. Thank you. And by the way, here's your birthday present. Now you blessed me. But that's what some Christians do. I'm, oh, I, I gave my tithes. I gave an offering. No, no, no. You, you pay your tithes. You give an offering. Your offerings are what you give above beyond your tithe. The tithe is his. How, how, be- how better can I explain this? If we're in business together, and the arrangement we have as partners is, listen, you get 90% of the business. I just want 10%. This is the agreement we have. We go to a lawyer, we sign a contract. Okay, so you get 90% of the income. I just want the first 10%. First 10%. First 10%. First 10%. Now, when it's time at the end of the week or the end of the month for me to get my 10% share, do you put it in a card? <laughs> Sam, I'm giving this to you. I hope it blesses you. No, no, this is the arrangement we had. Yes or no? This is the arrangement. The arrangement is this. I will supply you with 100%. Out of that 100%, 90% is yours. I just want you to put the first 10% every week, every month, whenever it is, put that aside, that belongs to me. So when you bring me my share, you're, you're just paying the arrangement that we made in that contract. Well, that's Malachi chapter 3. We pay our tithes. Now, my offerings are above and beyond that. Hallelujah. Boy, it gets so exciting when you talk about this stuff. (laughs) But if you only knew the benefits, if for those of you that don't practice that yet, if you only knew the benefits... You would, you would, the first thing when you get your next paycheck, you would go, what's the 10%? I'm going to make it even better. On the gross, not on the net. Pastor, we're supposed to tithe on the gross or the net? The gross. If you tithe on the net, then you put Caesar first. Because the government doesn't ask you. The IRS doesn't get up and preach sermons and say to you, hey, this is why you need to give us your 25% out of your income. They take it. God at least lets you have the opportunity to go, hey, you know what, this sounds good. I think I'll do this. Now, can you genuinely say that you have a generous heart if you're willing to withhold from God what's his? Well, pastor, things are getting tough. You don't know, you don't think God knew that things are getting tough? Well, Pastor, gas is $4 a gallon. Just to go to show you the mentality, we were in Florida, and we were passing gas stations, and my wife's going, oh, four fifteen. that's cheap. I went, cheap? What happened? What, how did you allow this mindset to get four fifteen? A year and a half ago, it was what? $2 and change? We forget... We forget. In fact, don't miss, the, don't miss the, the, the message this Sunday. We forget. We forget very easily. We forget. And the media knows we forget. And so they throw something at you, then boom, 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 16 other 
crisis has come on the scene so that you'll forget that gas is now $4.25. So when you pass by and you see it for $3.99, you go, oh, what a bargain. God's a generous God. He knows what you need. He knows how much gas you're going to use down to the mile. He can supply those needs for you. But you just make sure that you honor him with your heart. You honor him with your finances. Honor him with the generosity. When he tells you to go bless somebody, go bless them. When you're in the supermarket and you're walking by somebody and the Lord says, I want you to pay for their groceries. So they say, well, that never happened to me. Yeah, because probably the first time he tried, you said no. And you guys are, like, tight tonight. <laughs> this is reality of life. You have the Spirit of God in you. You have the love of God in you. You have the mind of Christ. You are a spirit being living in a physical body. You are way more connected to heaven than you are connected to this earth. Stop acting like the people on this earth. You listening to me? He'll bless you. You'll have favor on your life. Things just happen. Stuff will just happen. My wife likes when I go shopping with her, as crazy as that might sound, because we'll go to pay for stuff. When I'm with her, she, the thing will go, oh, did you know this was half off? Oh, did you know there's a special coupon? Oh, did you know that today's the last day that she could use such and such a thing? She goes, when I go shopping by myself, I got to pay full price. <laughs> Am I right or what? Favor, favor, favor. It, it, and let me tell you something. When you know you're there is when you don't even think twice about it. Don't even think twice about it. Psalm 111, excuse me, 112, verse 5. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Proverbs eleven twenty four. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Let me ask you this question, and we're done. I promise you this time. Seriously, think about this. Do not respond right away. Has God been generous with you? Case closed. He's been so good to us. I was sit, we were sitting in the office before service tonight. And we had just gone through some financial stuff. Not, not bad stuff. We'd just gone through some, some figures. And I said to my wife, how, how did we get here? We were in bankruptcy just a few years before we went to Bible school lost everything. And we had some stuff to lose. It wasn't like we didn't have anything. We literally, literally sold our bedroom furniture to make the trip out to Bible school. Just barely had enough money to come back here to start this church. How God has blessed us is, is nothing short of miraculous. And if he, listen to me, he do, he's not a respecter of persons. If he did it for us, he'll do it for you. How he's blessed this ministry is incredibly unbelievable. In a time when churches were closing down, in a, a time when, when ministries were just folding up, in how many years, from 2018 till now, we went from one campus to three campuses. And in better shape financially now than we were in 2018. I, I, can't, I, I cannot figure it out. The goodness of God, the generosity of God. When Pastor Eddie was here this past weekend, and I'm promising after this story, I'm done. <laughs> I took him and his wife, Amanda, wonderful people, beautiful people. I took him Saturday morning to see the other campuses. He was so interested. Last time he came, we didn't have time to do that. He was lost for words, speechless, speechless. 
He said, now mind you, this guy was over 600 churches at one time, just maybe a year and a half ago. He was the regional superintendent for the Assemblies of God in the Kentucky, Tennessee, all that area. 600 churches he was over. He said, we're in churches all the time. He said, and, and the, some of the churches that have multi-sites like we do, he goes, you don't see this. He said, most of the time, the central campus has the best of everything, and then the other campuses have all the leftovers. He goes, you have just as much excellence in your campuses as you have in this site. I said, that's only because of the grace of God. He said, I could see you haven't taken any shortcuts. You bought the best equipment. You've, you've, done, you've, you've put these campuses together with true excellence. But isn't that what God would do out of his generous heart? Would God have somebody coming to church and you got holes in the seats and springs popping through, carpets all worn out, and then we want to say, what a great God we have. He said, because you guys walk in this kind of excellence, you're set, you're in place now for a tremendous explosion and tremendous expansion. But you did it. God doesn't have shopping bags full of money in heaven that he sends to the earth. He uses people. Now, Brother Hagin taught us this, and I'm done after this. <laughs> Brother Kenneth Hagin, when we were in Bible school, you guys probably heard him say the same thing. He said, the hardest area to get victory in is in the area of finances, because there's always a third person involved. I say, well, what do you mean, Pastor? It's always, when you pray, Father, I need such and such money. It doesn't come from heaven. The instruction comes from heaven to somebody, to a person. So now you're dependent on the obedience of that person. So when you're praying for a need to be met financially, don't just pray for the money that you need. Pray for the person that God's going to use, that they'll be obedient so that they can reap the blessing in their life. Amen? Amen. All right. We're good? Develop that generous heart, I'm telling you. Especially if it comes hard to you, train your flesh, train your soul to respond automatically when God puts something on your heart to bless someone. Amen? Amen? God bless you. If you need prayer, come on up.